Hello and welcome to another episode of My Wax Museum. I'm your host, Alex Williams, and today I'm joined by Holoma Yates. Now, we talk about making friends, making people happy, and the ways we can find ourselves happy. Holoma also shares how she's faced her fears, even when she doesn't always overcome them. And remember, after today's show, to make five minutes today to listen intently to the people around you. Holoma Yates. Welcome to My Wax Museum. Hi, Alex. Thanks for having me. I am delighted to have you here. We had a great conversation before, and I knew I had to have you on here. I like to ask as the first question every episode, how is it that we got in touch? How do we know each other? And is there anything memorable from our first experience? Well, we first met when I was on your show, Broken Bulbs, and I felt like it was a great conversation. It was fun to be on your show. And... uh that is a great memory that I have of you. Yeah, yeah. I, I loved our conversation. I'm excited for those episodes to come out. I'll probably link them down in the show notes. At least one of them will be out by the time this airs. But I just don't have that on top of mind right now. I don't have that schedule memorized, believe it or not. Uh, <laughs> okay. But I'm excited to learn more about your story, which of course starts with wherever you were born. So where is that? Where are you from originally? I was born in Wichita, Kansas, and uh, I was only there for about maybe four years. We moved to Denver, Colorado, where my parent, where my mom's parents live. Okay. And uh, we moved here when I was about four or five, and uh, it was a lot of people that lived in one house when we did that because she she needed to leave a, a marriage that wasn't working, and we moved in with her parents. So my grandmother, my grandfather, there was also my aunt and uncles that were living there, my cousins, <laughs> and then it was my sister. So it was like 11 of us in one roof living together. Holy cow. That is a, a full house. That's packed. What was, t- tell me about that as a little kid that, I mean, as a little kid, that must've been kind of all you were familiar with, but what kind of impact, what did you think was going on? How aware were you? You know, I really didn't think much about us moving because I didn't know him. So it it didn't really affect me too much to be leaving him. I didn't realize later on not having a biological father around, like how that affected you. But growing up in the house with everybody, that was interesting. Sometimes it was fun. It was great to be around family. And uh, there were times where it was hard because I was the youngest. And being the youngest, I was left out pretty much all the time. (laughs) My cousins and sisters, they were all, um, I don't know, they related to each other better. And so they hung out with each other and I didn't have them to hang out with unless we were playing certain type of games and they needed more people (laughs) than they would include (laughs) me. Um, So yeah, I just kind of, I felt alone. That was when my feelings of uh, loneliness began. Um, But I did have friends in the neighborhood and I had friends in school. Like I was friends with everybody at school. So I was, that was my happy place was school. (laughs) Interesting. Tell me about that, because I, I feel like a lot of people are like, school was not my jam, but you, you enjoyed it because that was kind of your, your social life? Yeah, it was where I, you know, had people to hang out with and people who wanted to hang out with me. So it was it was great. I had fun. And then when my mom remarried, we moved out of Denver, Colorado, and we moved to Arvada, Colorado. Strangely enough, even just being 15 minutes away from each other, it was a whole other experience. We moved into an area where there wasn't a lot of ethnic diversity, so not a lot of people look like me. And I did make friends. I I definitely had friends, but there were times where I wasn't included. There were times where people just, they weren't the nicest to me. And it was at that point when 
me feeling like I didn't fit in with my family. Also, then I started to didn't feel like I fit in outside of the family. So I felt like I was alone and just unwanted and unloved, unlovable. Like it just, it didn't feel good. (laughs) But, um, you know, I learned so much from that. And, you know, now in my life, I just um, realize how important it is to love yourself, have enough love for who you are and be living in that truth and meeting, just living in that truth and meeting the people in your life who can accept you for who you are, appreciate you for who you are and only welcome people like that into your life. That's what that taught me. And I feel like that's important to learn always in your life, no matter what age you are. Yeah, and I mean, especially going through that as a kid, feeling unloved and unwanted, especially middle school age, that's the worst time to go through anything extra because you're already dealing with puberty and just like trying to figure out who you are, your your self-identity. Was there anybody that, that you looked at who you did feel accepted and wanted and loved by? You know, I did have friends who were good friends and they didn't they didn't ever treat me in a way where they would use microaggressions or blatant have um, speak racial slurs or anything like that. I did have some people like that in my life, but um, yeah, for the most part, because I felt in such a way that I, that I didn't matter, it was hard to notice anybody like really appreciating me or loving me. So I pushed people away and, I didn't realize that I was doing that until later on in life when, you know, I would have good people come into my life and then I would just keep pushing them away and pushing them away and then wonder why I'm alone. (laughs) So it it had, I had to do a lot of self-reflecting and realize what I was doing and why I was doing it. And now I'm able to be aware what, like if I'm saying certain words or I'm not answering the phone or if I'm not responding to messages, like little things that you do to push people away besides like verbally saying words that are abusive. Um, I pay attention to that and realize, wait a minute, this person makes me happy, yet I'm not treating them in a way that reflects that I appreciate their presence or I appreciate their friendship. So I had to really pay attention to that to make sure that I'm, I'm building relationships and maintaining them, like keeping good people in my life. And so that's what I've I've had to like consciously work on that. Yeah, that's some excellent self-awareness to to say like, oh, I might be doing some of this to other people and it might be because I feel this way and I might, you know, move that on to other people. Yeah, I like that. One of the things that you mentioned in our quick questions beforehand that I asked you you mentioned that one of the most important things to you, maybe an unpopular opinion, but also something you think the world needs to hear, is that it's a choice to be kind, a choice to be nice to people. At what point did you internalize that? At what point did you say, okay, I can be nice, I can be thoughtful, I can show people that I care about them? It was when I realized, because someone told me, how they felt I was treating them. Um, I would lose friendships and not really know why and not understand because I wasn't self-reflecting. And then it came a moment where someone told me how I was hurting them. And when I started to think about how I was hurting them and then other people, what did I do to other people? How did I hurt other people? 
oh my gosh, I, I would seriously say words that would just tear people down. I would treat people in a way that where there was excluding them. And I know what that feels like. And I was doing the same thing. Like it wasn't where I was necessarily regurgitating the same thing that was given to me, but it was similar. I would do it in a similar way. And when I realized that, I just spent time with myself and just broke down crying. I I just, I allowed myself to realize what I've done to people. And I did not want to be that person anymore. I was like, what can I do to change? How can I make sure that when I'm around people that I'm lifting them up? Because obviously I know how to tear them down. So what can I do to change that? So yeah, I, I work on that still to this day. I make sure that I, I hope that when people think of me, they smile instead of like <laughs> get angry. Um, so yeah, I do what I can to make people be happier and feel good about themselves. I like that. And I, I think that's such a, a valuable, a valuable message. Was there anything noticeable, like any noticeable changes in your life when you started doing that? Did you notice that you had more friends, that you had more people around you? Yeah, I I did notice that people enjoyed my company more. (laughs) So I did notice that. I even had someone once point out that it was nice to hang out with you uh, this weekend. (laughs) And I was like, the fact that you had to point that out (laughs) lets me know that I'm not easy to be around. Um, So yeah, I definitely have noticed that people enjoy being around my company more. And there are some people who unfortunately I did lose their friendship. And I understand it. it. It was broken and I may be a trigger for them because I know there's people in my life who like I had to let them go. And I am unfortunately someone that people had to let go to. And I had to accept that and make sure that moving forward, I'm just a better person. That's interesting. Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously you're so self-aware to realize that you were somebody that people had to let go and they you had to let go of other people and i think we all have that we're not we're not right for everybody as a friend we're not right for everybody in a relationship and neither are they it's the same thing right that's that's really interesting i'm curious to hear then as you as you became an adult and and kind of went off on your own did, did you go to school? Did you move away? Did you get away from everything, start a new life? Like, tell me about that a bit. Yeah, when I graduated high school, I I had no idea what I was going to do with my life. For so long, I just kept hanging out, kept on living each day and, and having jobs here and there. Um, finally, a friend of mine was like, hey, not that he was like saying, I noticed you don't have a goal <laughs> or you don't have any <laughs> life plans, but he let me know that like, hey, are you thinking about going to college? And so I went to visit his college and he did that for the purpose of getting me excited to go to school. And I'm thankful that he did because I, I did go to school for like a semester, maybe two, I got to remember, but um, I went for a little bit of time and then I went back to my old ways and started partying again and, and everything. But <clears throat> When I decided to go back to school again, I ended up going to school in Alaska. And I, I, that happened because a guy I was dating was stationed out there. And I was like, well, okay, I'll give us a chance. And then I'll also, you know, continue doing what I can with my life. So I went to school in Alaska to get my life together. And there was a trip that I took that changed my life. Well, lots of things changed my life, but this really did. Um, there was a trip that we were taking to Vietnam and it was, you know, for one of our our classes that was like a month long class. And 
we went to Vietnam and it was the first time that Vietnam vets went there um, since the war as well. So they were invited to go on this trip with the students and seeing how being back there made them feel and the stories that they would share and the way that they lived their life, it impacted me. And there was one guy in particular, every time someone asked him how he was doing and he would say, he would answer always, today is the best. He would say, I'm doing great. It's the best day of my life. And I asked him once, because he kept saying it and I loved it. And I said that that's such a great way to look at things like that you say it's the best day of your life. That's awesome. And he said, yeah, it's better than the alternative. So growing up, when I was going through so much, I did deal with suicidal ideation. I did a suicide attempt at age of 16. And to now be working on myself in order to live and, and be happy and love life and be a better person, hearing him say that, that each day is the best day of his life and it's better than the alternative, that hit me hard. You know, it made me be like, you know what? I didn't even want to live and I'm just trying, I'm just like existing and doing my best to be happy. But like, that is his life. Like that's his motto. That's, he lives and breathes that. And, and I was like, I want to take that on. I want to look at each day I wake up that it's a gift. It's an opportunity to make my life better. Cause I also had another friend tell me that too, that each day you wake up, you've been given another chance to make your life better. So those two things that I heard, really impacted me and had me realize that I can create the life I want to have. It's up to me. So every day I wake up, I'm making sure that I'm making choices that is going to have me be enjoying my life and how is it going to affect me in the future. You you mentioned that a couple times in our quick questions, how every day that you wake up is is your favorite day because you, you get another one here. You know, here we go. So what kind of things did you start to do in order to internalize that and, and make that kind of idea a part of your life in order to say, I get this chance to do more. I get this chance to be better and to grow. Yeah, it, it's literally waking up and being excited that you woke up. It's like, you know what? Whoa, I was actually given another chance to see today. So I, I mean, not every day am I happy. There are things that happen that bring me down. There are challenges that I face. But the fact that I now am happy to be breathing and that I get to wake up, I, I'm like, let me find solutions to whatever problems I'm dealing with. How can I get me out of whatever funk that I'm in? What can I do to make sure that I'm doing things that make me happy? What can I do to uplift others? Every single thing that I do is like, I'm trying to generate happiness. Like, that's what I focus on is just being happy. And I know it doesn't happen all the time, but at least I allow myself to get through the tough times. I allow myself to cry when I need to cry, scream when I need to scream, whatever it is. I allow myself to feel the emotions, but I'm focused on happiness now. I, I, I really, really like that. I mean, obviously, it's not like every time you wake up, you leap out of bed, <laughs> you know, like, wow, <laughs> no. here we go. Another day is mine, you know, but just having that having that perspective and just awareness that, hey, I'm here, time to make the best of it, right? Yeah. 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 I love yeah. that. I mean, from going from a place of like, not even wanting to sleep because I didn't want to see tomorrow to now waking up and being glad that I'm here, being glad that I'm, I can open my eyes and I can see today. Oh yeah. It's, it's, 
like you said, it's not like I'm waking up and the birds are taking the covers <laughs> off of me and singing. And like, yeah. You know, it's not like that. But it's just, you know, it's nice to be happy. To, it totally yeah. is. It totally is. Hey, future Alex here, just interjecting to mention that My Wax Museum has an Instagram page. It's simply at My Wax Museum. How easy is that, right? I'm sure you'll want to follow us because we post a ton of bonus content there regularly. It's awesome. And we have some really cool stuff coming up in the new year. So stay tuned for that. Again, that's at My Wax Museum on Instagram. See you over there. Now, back to the show. I kind of, I, I want to get into now more of what you're, what you're doing now. Like, what are, what are you up to? Every day that you get a chance, what is it that you're doing? Um, besides the work that I do, um, so I have a company called Love Mark and it's a coaching company where I do workshops for social, emotional, and mental wellness, uh, as well as uh, diversity, equity, inclusion training, anything I can do to guide people to value themselves and to value others. That's what I do. But besides that, um, I, I feel like I'm constantly doing things that have me face my fears. So like speaking in front of people, like I have fear of that, yet I do workshops, <laughs> you know, but I, I do it because of the reaction I get and how it it's impacting people's lives. And if it's making a difference, I want to keep doing it. But like, I mean, I used to be afraid of heights and I thought, oh, let me go. So my friends were going skydiving. They invited me to go. And I was like, well, okay, maybe that'll cure my fear of heights. No, it did not cure my fear of heights, but I was like, you know what? Let me try it. And the whole trip was interesting. Like before it happened, I had a dream that I was like throwing up on the way down. Sorry if that grosses anybody out, but like, that's a dream that I had. And so when we're up, I didn't eat anything because I didn't want that to happen. So when we're on the plane, the plane's rocky and everything, and we're getting up higher and higher. I'm afraid because we're getting up higher. Plus I didn't eat anything. So my stomach's feeling kind of weird. And I also, I also have motion sickness. So all of that combined wasn't making me feel good. So it's a tandem dive. I'm connected to a guy. And um, I was like, oh, I'm not feeling too good. And he's like, oh, oh we've got a puker over here. He yelled out to everyone. I was like, oh, thanks a lot. So they, they gave me a bag. I didn't puke because I didn't have anything in my system. But I was like, okay, let me just breathe. Let me breathe. And so when it was time to jump, I'm holding on to like this top part, so scared to jump. And he was like, Holloman, you have to let go. And I'm like, well, I did pay for this experience, so I probably should let go. But I barely let go. And I don't know if he pushed me or if it was like just the, the air just making me drop. But so I, we drop and I try screaming. I don't know if you've ever been skydiving, but you can't scream. Like you're going down and like nothing comes out. And um, so I'm like, okay, let me open my eyes. Let me see what's happening. And then I have my bag and I started dry heaving. Like when we got further down and we like, like did the parachute, I'm like dry heaving. And he was just like, Holloman, you just need to like enjoy the scenery and relax. And um, so finally I started relaxing and enjoying the scenery and we landed perfectly and it was awesome, but it did not cure my fear of heights, <laughs> but I love facing my fears. That's the whole point. I face my fears may not come out pretty, but I face my fears. <laughs> I love that. That is such an epic, epic thing because yeah, you didn't, you didn't just get over it. You weren't like, oh, I love skydiving now. I go every weekend. You know, you were like, no, this is still terrifying, but I did it. Yeah. You know, that is, that is really, really cool. 
before we keep going with the interview too, I, I do want to give you the opportunity to, to plug your book here. If you can tell people where to get your book and, and kind of a Coles Notes version of what they can expect from it too. Yeah, so my book is called Dissolving the Anchor, Untethering Dysphoria and Self-Doubt to Create an Empowered Life. And it goes, it, it gives a real and raw look into the experiences that brought on my negative self-image, low self-esteem, substance use, suicidal ideation, and then how I came out of that struggle to finally change my mindset and value myself and stop self-sabotaging and um, how I figured out ways to create the kind of life that I want to have. So it goes into that while also giving advice um, for the reader so it could be more effective for them. And I'm not coming from a clinical perspective, just from someone from lived experience. And uh, they can get it at, you can go to dissolvingtheanchor.com. That's the title of the book. Or you can go to hiyates.com because um, it links you to the same site. So, Perfect. I'm going to have links to that down in the show notes so people can check it out. And the reason I do the plug kind of in the middle-ish of the episode is so that we can just kind of chat until until the end. And for, for the rest of the episode, I want to hear about your plans for the future. What do you, what do you hope to start doing uh, in the next coming months and years? You know, I want to continue promoting the book. I, I want to hopefully get out in public and start meeting with people and um, I guess kind of do a book tour, if you will. I, I want to do what I can to inspire people to know that they have everything within them to change their life. So that's what I want to continue doing is getting out there in the public, sharing this message. And it's whatever that looks like for you. I'm not trying to tell you to be this way or be that way. It's about knowing your truth and having the confidence and the courage to live your truth. So uh, so what is your truth then? My truth is finally realizing that I matter and doing everything I can to reflect that belief. So making sure that I'm making choices that are good for myself. And, um, you know, the same as what I've been saying, just doing what I can to keep that happiness going and work through the hard times. Yeah. How is it, like, what do, what do you do personally to work through the hard times and, and to keep that happiness going? Like we talked about, you know, you're not leaping out of bed every day, but what, what kind of things do you remind your, do to remind yourself that, hey, like I get another shot at this, like here we go? It depends on the situation. So um, loneliness was a huge thing that I felt growing up. And so whenever I'm feeling lonely, I will contact a friend. I'll, I'll text them be like, hey, how are you? How's it going? Um, and then some friends, they want to meet on Zoom so we can see each other. And um, so that has been helpful. Like I have one friend who we, we continuously do that. We continuously like once a week we'll meet on Zoom and just check in with each other. And I have other friends who I'll just text. And there are some friends where we will meet up for coffee. I mean, I don't drink coffee, but like tea, we'll go to a coffee shop. But I haven't done that in a while because we, you know, during the pandemic, we weren't allowed to really go out much. So um, I haven't done that too much. I've just been doing a lot of Zoom calls with people or texting with people. But that's been helpful to have me not feel so alone. But depending on other situations, like if um, if I'm going through a certain problem, I just have to look at, okay, what is the problem so I know how to solve it? And I, I wish I could think of something right now because there's always something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so I can give an example. But um 
Okay, I guess this would be one. So when I did the book, I was, you know, I'm being very vulnerable. So it's it's scary. So I guess this is another facing the fear. <laughs> but um, so there was a moment where it was, you know, so much was going on with, you know, racial tensions, the pandemic, getting this book done and being vulnerable and realizing it's got about to be out in the world. And I got really nervous and I got so scared and anxious that it got to the point where I couldn't move the left side of my body. And I just, I was in so much pain and I was, and I wasn't sleeping like for a good four days, I got no sleep whatsoever. I was just feeling so anxious. And it got to the point where I couldn't move my left side of the body. And when my husband got home from working out, he, he came home and he just, he noticed something was wrong. And I was just like, I'm in so much pain. And so he started to massage the left side of my body and I started crying and I couldn't stop. Like the tears just kept going and going and I couldn't stop. And he's like, what's wrong? And he held me and, and I was like, I don't know what's wrong. Like at the time I didn't know what was wrong. So he's trying to, you know, console me and like, have me be comfortable and, and massage me and like all that stuff. And it, it, he, he did a lot like more than that to try and help me to, to be calm. But afterwards I was like, I, what is wrong? I had to figure out why I was feeling this way. And so I had to look back and like, what's bringing me pressure? What am I anxious about? So I had to explore what was causing my anxiety. Why was I sad? Why was I angry? Whatever it is, emotion that you're feeling, ask yourself why you're feeling that way. And then you can realize, okay, this is what happened. This is what I experienced. This is what someone said or whatever. And what can you do to then alleviate that pain? So I had to realize, hey, this book is coming out. Just what's going to happen is going to happen. It's going to help people. It might not help others. It's okay, whatever happens. And the other stuff going on in the world, what can I control? So I had to pay attention to what I can control. And I can control us being divided by doing my workshops and talking with people whenever I'm feeling down and sad. So it's just, what can you do to feel better? I like that. I like that. It kind of reminds me a little bit of the serenity prayer. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Um, yeah, yeah. Which is, Lord, grant me the strength to know something. So I, for, I forget exactly, but the gist of it is is that the 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 strength to change what I can, the you know, strength to accept what I can't, and then the wisdom to know the difference is the gist of it. Um, but that that whole idea of of taking care of what you can and understanding that there are some things you can't control, right? Like you said, some people, your book's not going to help. Some people, it's not right for them. Some people, it is. And, and that's a wonderful thing. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Looking Looking to the future then, do you have like um like a a big goal like something you want to create like a kind of magnum opus you know like something in the future that you look towards and you're like that you know that's what i want to accomplish in the next 5 10 20 whatever years yeah um so i won't go into details cuz i don't want to put that out there but i do have a plan for a program that i want to do that is mainly focused on helping youth in order to know their worth and be able to make decisions and know how to make decisions for them to have a future that's like more sustainable. Hmm. 
so that's something that I'm focused on. And I, I definitely know that I will do this because I am so dedicated to that. And I want to do this so bad. And I've been wanting to do this for years. Um, and I, I feel like with the workshops that I do and with this book, it is positioning me in a way that is going to allow me to do that. And the people that I'm also meeting too, it's, it's all like happening in such a way where I'm like, this would be a great team to work with. So yeah, I have a plan on a program that I want to continuously do. Like I want that to be something that I, that I always do. I love that. I think that's awesome. Now I've got, I've got one last question for you here, but before I ask that, I just want to mention, I did look up when your Broken Bulbs episode came out because I felt bad that I didn't have the date right away. So if, if people want to listen to more of Halima on Broken Bulbs and hear a bit more of that story, you can go to episode 117 of Broken Bulbs. It came out in October. You can go and listen to that. And she's going to be on future episodes as well. So I mean, if that's not a reason to subscribe and follow, I, I don't know what is. Uh, <laughs> but with, with that, I have, I have one last question for you. And it's what I ask every single guest who comes on the show. And that is at the end of your life, when you're looking back on everything you've accomplished, you've got your book out there, you've learned to love yourself and appreciate yourself and to show that to others as well. And you've learned and you've helped youth uh, in in encouragement and to feel fulfilled and find the path that's right for them. I want to know at the end of your life, when you're looking back on all of it, what are the things you're most proud of and satisfied with? That I figured out how to live life my way. And what is that way? <laughs> yeah, that is everything that we've talked about. It's about knowing my worth. It's about loving myself and having the courage and confidence to do what's right for me. And um, being a person that can uplift people and uh, just make sure that I continue facing my fears, like being someone who lived life the best way that they could. That's, that's what I would be happy with is being able to live life the best way that I could. And I can go out knowing that I did that. I like that. I like that. And I really appreciate you coming on the show and joining me for another interview. Thank you for having me. This was fun. And thank you for listening, not just to the show, which we certainly do appreciate, but more so to the people around you, the people from your everyday life that you just happen to know. Make five minutes today to listen intently to the people around you. Mecco.